So it's me. I'm back. Um, lots of uh, interesting stuff has happened in the last, I don't know, two months, something like that. I'm here with Michael. Hi there. Um, and I guess we we wanted to call this uh, we wanted to call this radical honesty because we need to be radically honest and just kind of be forthright about, you know, why we kind of became disengaged with the project. And it was at, it was at such a pivotal time specifically for Jenner because it was as everything was ramping up and kind of all at the same time from what I understand, you know, we, uh, we kind of flew the coop right when uh, he needed our help most, which sucks. And it was kind of a shitty thing to happen. But, you know, the reasoning behind it, I had my own reasoning behind it. And I, I was I was justified in that reasoning. But uh, it's it really just boils down to something that I've said in the past on previous shows that we're kind of stuck in this dichotomy of do you want to be happy or do you want to survive and survival for me being a pragmatic person and being, you know, kind of a realist and always being kind of safe in my decisions, you know, moving uprooting my life when I didn't have a job and spending my entire savings to move out here was probably the riskiest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And it was kind of a shock to me when I came out here and everything just like worked out. And I've been keeping afloat ever since remarkably well, like better than I ever have anywhere else. And it's kind of, it's kind of a blessing in that sense. But at the same time, like the struggle is still real for anybody making less than, you know, a certain amount every year. And, uh, we're, we're in this position where we have to work to survive. And that is 99.9% of our, you know, energy spent is, earning money to pay the bills and sleeping to rest so that we can go earn money to pay said bills. And it's just this never ending cycle of abusive capitalism that is just bearing down on our shoulders, just, you know, forcing us to grunt things out. And I mean, I'm, I'm pleased with my job. I like working where I work and, uh, Michael's, Michael's job comes with lots of benefits and everything as well, but it's still just a matter of, when we are continually faced with the choice of do you want to do what you want to do and be happy or do you want to do something that you don't want to do just so that you can survive you have to survive but it's almost as if to say what you want doesn't matter and I think uh, I think it's up to us to change that but anyway enough bitching and moaning about that it's not what I'm here for. Um, it's uh, It's been a road. It's been a long road that we've gone down. And we've had hiccups, hiccups along the way. And, um, you know, Michael and I have, you know, built our relationship around trust. And, um, you know, c- correct me if I'm wrong. Like, you know, we've, we've kind of been through the ringer on multiple occasions on different, you know, different fronts but we've always kind of made it out alive but uh and better off afterwards 
yeah and it's like there's always been an improvement there's always been an improvement after we like face those struggles or tribulations or whatever like we just kind of like get to this uh point in our life of like looking back like you know jenner for example reached a point in his life where he realized like the handling of the situation of us kind of stepping back from the project you know like the handling of that he realized was not appropriate and he came to me you know and kind of bared his soul and i did the same you know out of i mean he's still my friend i never he never stopped being my friend but uh we we kind of saw eye to eye after our last meeting and talk that we've had and he came to the understanding that like my decision was justified for the sake of survival but he understood that like I wanted my happiness to matter too and part of my happiness was doing this project and doing this show with him you know Mindwave was something like it was his brainchild and I kind of helped hone the knife that carved it into reality and you know he was he was the brains behind the operation and I was the comedic relief and you know it was kind of a Batman and Robin type situation and I was totally cool with it like I'm with that like I I never wanted to take a super like lead in charge role from the get-go and like when it came down to you know the argument of like hey you need to get this recording done or you need to do this you need to do that and like the time crunch kind of became a thing like I was never good with deadlines at any point in my life and you know, I, I can be on time to work, but like when it's something that I'm not getting paid to do, I'm like, it'll get done when it gets done because there are other more pressing matters in my life. But we came to this realization that the handling of the situation was not for the greater good of us as individuals or the project as a whole. And through I guess what we could call a Andrew Yang inspired uh, moment of humanity firstness um, he he gave me a car so and I mean for those of you who don't know me I mean if any friends are listening in right now like you know that I've I haven't been you know like driving or on the road or had my own vehicle in over five years now after I had an accident when I was 18 and I never really pursued trying to get another vehicle because it just you know I all I saw was the negatives of like this is just going to cost money it's just going to give me anxiety I'd rather just get a job close by and walk and just justifying any reason why I shouldn't have to get behind the wheel of a car at any point ever again and you know, but like in the same token, like it has also been a hindrance to me progressing in life and in my professional career. And it's just kind of like it hit me in that moment of like, you know, this is yours now. You can have it. It was almost like a weight taken off my shoulders. And, you know, it, it 
he explained it beautifully to me of like it just works out of like it was just sitting the universe wasn't allowing him to sell it he didn't have any interested buyers and it was just sitting there collecting dust and he's like why don't we just put this to use why don't we just you know uh what what's that what's that term pay it forward i guess you could say yeah um and you know it's it's it was an awesome gesture and it's probably one of the most kind-hearted heartfelt gestures i've experienced in life um along with that you know he you know uh with his with his new uh undertaking in life of just working on the show full time you know he managed to get a new production machine and he still had the old one the the slow Mac that we had been fighting with throughout the uh, fruition and starting up of this project. And um, he, he, lo- he lent that to me so that I can record on my own time. And part of the, the understanding that we have now is that, you know, there's not a time crunch. There's no deadlines. It's just when you have time, we can do this. Because with, you know, me having anxiety deadlines are like my kryptonite because the closer a deadline approaches, the more I freak out about it and the less I want to do what is entailed in said deadline. And I, I guess it kind of plays into my fear of like getting into any high stress situation, high stress line of work, because that kind of, that kind of work would just literally tear me apart at the seams which I guess leads into my next bit of what we are calling radical honesty. And this kind of pertains to both me and Michael. So, I mean, if there's anything you want to pitch in at any point, feel free. But I want to talk about mental health because it's very important. And we all have different ways of coping. We all have different ways of dealing with it. You know, I've, I went from leaving a job because they wouldn't give me insurance to cover me going to therapy and getting on medication to treat my mental health to uprooting my entire life and moving away from the city that was causing all of my problems so that I could be happy. And since I've moved out here, I've been happy. I I won't say that I'm not stressed sometimes. I won't say that I'm not irritated at sometimes. And uh, Michael will attest to the fact that I still get upset about things and still have shitty days here and there. But on the whole, I feel better. I feel better being here and I want to be here. I don't want to leave here. I like living here and I think it was one of the riskiest but also the best decisions that we ever made but like I want to get your input too because we've both we've both been experiencing it and we have days where we just come home and we just we just break down because the weight of life is just crushing and we get in this mindset of like god damn it all i fucking do is work and pay bills and work and sleep and pay bills and sleep and work and pay bills and and just there's never anything left at the end for me there's no chance of me getting up and going on a vacation and having some time away from things there's no chance of me 
going to see a therapist to talk about this stuff because I can't afford it. And it's just, we get into this mindset of like, why the fuck am I even going to bother with this anymore? Like, why should I even try if the world isn't going to give a shit about me? Like, why should I care about anything if the world doesn't care about me? You know what I mean? And we get in this headspace that's just so toxic and just destructive to our own well-being of like, we can't move past it in that moment. And I, I've experienced it with you specifically. You get in a headspace of nothing's going to get better. I feel like shit. I feel like I'm a burden. And like, there's no amount of positive influence or talking you down that can change your mind in that moment. It just takes, you know, an hour or two for you to like get your head on straight and realize that you were just in a mood and we both get like that sometimes and I don't I don't think that Jenner realized that we had issues this serious I guess you could say behind closed doors I mean he's gonna review this recording anyway and he'll he'll hear it and probably have words to say with me but I I mean, he knows, he knows that this is radical honesty. He knows that this is what we're, you know, here to talk about. And I want him to hear it because I wanted to be honest with him that like, you know, it's, I never wanted to leave the show. I never wanted to, you know, forego what was the first endeavor I took in life on my own. Like, you know, I've spent my whole life working for other people. I was so psyched up about the fact that I got to work for myself and didn't have a fucking person to answer to except me and him. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't an issue until we started having deadlines and, you know, having my anxiety and depression and everything all just flare up and get in the way of me, you know, being happy. But, you know, we just kind of, muddle through and carry on I guess you know we went through the holidays and you know norm normally for me I don't know how it is for you but normally for me the holidays are the worst time of year that with the seasonal shit you know I feel like everything that's ever bad happened in my life <laughs> has happened in the fucking winter time I, I will say since becoming an adult the holidays have it's it just loses all of its it magic. loses its luster yeah. the whole and like it's horrible and I feel like it's going to be horrible forever. Now. That magical feeling that you get when you're five on Christmas morning, like when you're an adult, that's gone. You oh, don't yeah, get no. that feeling on anything anymore. I think, I think the closest feeling to that was having a car given to me was like probably the closest thing, <laughs> but like, yeah, no, it's just like it, when you're an adult, it's like all of that, like, sparkle and wonderment of you know childhood just kind of like gets ripped off like a big ass band-aid and like the universe just looks down and says you're a man now fucking deal with it like but i don't know like where am i even going with this what am i talking about i swear i'm not stoned or am i wink anyway do you have any input um no, I'm just gonna try. Can you like with you. dig me out of this fucking hole I got myself in, please? I don't know, bro. It's been a while since I've recorded. You you were saying, um, this is not what you're here for. You're coming back to the show. I'm coming back What's to the show. On? We're doing the show. Well, we're kicking off season two. Jenner's got all the deets and information on that, which I'm sure he's been 
very forthright and sharing with everybody. Um, because how am I going to phrase this without sounding like a dick? What? Yeah. Well, he told me I'm an asset to the show. So I'll just say that he feels that I am an asset to the show. I didn't want to say say that when we had our heart to heart the other night, when he, when we sat down and he gave me the title to the car and everything. And, we we just kind of had our like little like we quashed our little. I think maybe going. I think maybe that's the wrong. You're taking the wrong context. Then he said, "I'm an asset to the show." I don't think that has a negative connotation yeah. because I just didn't want it to come across like, "Oh, he needs me. He can't do this without me." Because that's totally not the fucking case. He's been doing this without yeah. me, and he fucking proved that he can do it without me, and. I have to say I'm mighty goddamn proud of him for that because this is something like he leaned on me a lot in the very beginning when we started this. And the whole reason he never did this project sooner was because he didn't have anybody to share it with. And when he met me, it was like Christmas in his eyes, like that feeling of wonderment and sparkle in his eyes of like, I have somebody to share this thing with and it's good to see, I don't have to do it on my own. And it was an idea that we had like batted around for like a year and he never really like started doing anything with it until we met in person and like sat down and like really nailed down some details on what we were going to do. And like, I mean, we fucking shot a name around for the show for like a week. Like we could not figure out a name for the show. And then I forget one of us suggested mind wave and it was just like, it just clicked. It was like, it was perfect for what he wanted to do. But I, I didn't want to make it sound like he needed me for the show. Like he can't do this without me, but he acknowledged that he believes I am an asset to making this thing happen and that my he made it clear to me that my opinion matters and my what I have to say has value and for someone that has been going through this endless cycle of just work and bills and sleep and work and bills and sleep like I was saying I mean, when you're in this fucking tax bracket, like they aren't kidding when they say poverty charges interest. Like it is, it is a fucking burden and a half trying to just get by. Like, because there's always something that you need, even if you get an extra hundred dollars on a paycheck that you weren't expecting. There's always something that you need that, like, that hundred dollars could go to before you go out to a nice dinner and treat yourself. And you have to like rationalize and fight with yourself on hmm do I really need this like but for somebody who felt like they had no value in society for somebody that just felt like a cog in a fucking machine for so long like I went through school which felt like herding cattle and then immediately went into working for corporations that didn't give a shit about me and it's all I've ever done like it's all I've ever done like I've never felt appreciated so much in life as when I am working at my current job and when I am with Jenner on this fucking show because he makes it clear that what I have to say has fucking value and I missed it man like having 
having been away from it, I just kind of like went back into my shell of like, well, I guess that's just how life is. And this is, this is what it is. There's nothing more to it. All my dreams are dead. Like, fuck me in the ass. I don't need to, you know, pursue any dreams because it's all just going to die anyway. And oh, I don't know. It's a really pessimistic view of things, but you know, we, what goes around comes around and we learned our lesson from this instance in our lives and we moved forward from it. And I think that's important is moving forward from it because I'm not going to get better overnight. I'm not going to feel like a million bucks tomorrow morning or the morning after or maybe even a year from now. I'm not going to wake up one day and magically just be like, I'm better. Let's have a great, awesome, sunshine-filled day and have that Christmas morning wonderment of sparkle and desire in my eyes just out of nowhere. You know, mental illness doesn't just go away. And between Michael and I, we have to lean on each other a lot to, you know, get through the dredges of survival and just getting through life. And with Jenner and I working on the show, we want to, you know, kind of focus on that a little bit too of like, you know, this is, it's not just us that are going through this struggle. I mean, this is a huge portion of, you know, the population, not just here in America, but in, in the world of like this whole ideology that you need to work to survive. And we have this predetermined notion of what work is and, you know, I mean, people like artists and musicians and stuff have been fighting this uphill battle for a long time, you know, of like, you know, their work has has value, too. And I, I consider us artists in our own right of what we do with the show. And we are, you know, doing something that is not technically really classified as work under the, you know, normal standard of things. But I think we need to reclassify it because I mean, you know, we look at people like, you know, you don't see working as a YouTube channel is like an official job. But I mean, if somebody puts all their time into it, like, yeah, maybe they should be getting paid for that because if that's what they're investing their time in, if they're bringing value to the world, then maybe they should be getting acknowledged for that. And, you know, I, the whole appeal of Andrew Yang you know, like we talked about him a lot in season one and we're going to we're not going to center season two around Andrew. But, you know, you guys are all damn well sure that like, you know, we we support him and his campaign like through and through. But that was that was the message that he said that like no other politician had ever like addressed with me or anybody else in my position before is that you just you as an individual have value regardless of what you do for quote unquote work and that just spoke to me and it you know that that mentality kind of inspired the whole show to start I mean we kind of have his his philosophy to thank for this whole fucking project and you know like Jenner is in a situation where he was able to you know jump out of a job and, you know, make this his full-time gig and just kind of do side jobs in between to, you know, make ends meet. And I, 
I wasn't as lucky with that because if I if I'm not working, Michael can't carry the weight of our our finances on his shoulders. It's not fair to him. And if he if he leaves work, I can't carry the weight of our finances on my shoulders either. It's just we're in a position where we are trapped under our you know, the weight of our jobs and that's that's just how things are. And it's fine if we can still do what we want to do and do what we enjoy. I'm not complaining about having to work. I do believe that hard work can pay off. I'm not, you know, I'm by no means a socialist. I don't feel like everybody should just get a free handout. I do think that you should have to work for things in life. But what I do believe is that we need to redefine work to include people who don't have traditional, you know, jobs that they do in society. So I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? No, I agree. Um, this has been a really big problem for me throughout a lot of my jobs because you, you've been there, you've seen it. I've like, been there for all your jobs. Yeah. And how yeah. they think about it, you know, from when you first started working, but, uh, well, you, you weren't there for my first, not, not for your first, for your, I think for your second, third and fourth job. And it's, it's crazy because we're in a situation where like we're being told like out the gate that we're replaceable like what what kind of message are we sending to employees in this world that we can just be replaced like wow like how thankless can a job be to just outright say well if you won't do it somebody else will and they'll do it cheaper Uh, okay but like at the same time like i don't have any any physical disabilities nothing that like will prevent me from working at least but you know I do have mental health issues and I have a lot of trouble uh, in social situations and being a cashier god that was that was really really mentally exhausting and like people don't understand that because they don't they can't see it that like they can't sympathize. No, don't neurotypicals know. don't understand. Like, and I I don't want to sound crass, but neurotypical people do not understand yeah, and well, what it like, is like dealing with people for a living when you can't stand dealing with people or you can't do it, but in short bursts. Like, I understand it because I'm in the same boat as you. But like, people who are listening to this that maybe don't have anxiety, like, it is like the weight of a thousand suns crushing down on your shoulders when somebody is screaming in your face if you're not counting their change right like you know for somebody else you know you could just get pissed off go smoke a cigarette in the parking lot come back and be fine but you know for some of us it's like that's the type of shit that would send me home or make me quit on the spot because it's just not it's not something that you can deal with unmedicated. And sometimes even if you are medicated, it's not something that you even want to deal with. And the weight of it is so much more when you're not neurotypical. Yeah. And it's also like, I have a bad mouth. (laughs) Like you can swear. I don't, I don't give a shit. Go ahead. Well, no, but like it, like if I, if I was at work and someone calls me stupid, while I'm counting their change. Like I don't I won't just let that happen. I'll say something back. And of course that's not okay in a working situation. But I I don't know. 
Well, I don't think we should be normalizing shitty treatment of, you know, workers and employees places. I mean, you know, this whole. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the way that servers and, you know, cashiers get treated is fucking terrible in a lot of places. And they have to deal with a lot of shit. Like, I, I will tolerate it. And I have tolerated it for years of my life. But. I don't agree with it. I don't think that Absolutely, that type of yeah. behavior should be normalized. This idea that the customer is always right needs to fuck right off. But agreed. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just when you when you deal with these problems, like it, it almost feels like the world is not accommodating. Like, you know, like when you when when we passed laws like requiring wheelchair ramps into buildings, like that included people who you know can't walk upstairs and it gave them the same access to public places that they maybe have not had before but in the same way like being dealing with mental illness like the world does not accommodate for us at all like right. the jobs that we are offered don't accommodate us at all because neurotypicals don't understand that these jobs are not something that we can do as easily as somebody who is not dealing with anxiety or PTSD or depression or schizophrenia or whatever else you know you as an individual may be dealing with like the world does not cater to that and I I think that that should change but certainly yeah it'll come with time i mean mental health certainly isn't like a very new thing but the normalization of the handling of understanding at least understanding it at a base level you know like people have depression people have anxiety like the average joe will understand that but it's just going to take time. People people will come around eventually. I I think they will. I think they will. It's uh <coughs> progress progress will always come. It just sometimes takes longer and that's what I've noticed, you know, when it comes to things like civil rights, you know, it it took a long time, but we got here and it's a fight that's not over. But yeah, it, it's come a long way since the fight for had first started and it's one of those things that like you know the world will always gradually improve for people of you know different you know backgrounds and beliefs and whatnot and it just it just takes time you know whether it happens now or whether it happens next week it'll happen it just may not be right away but um, I don't know. I think we should probably wrap it up soon, trying to keep it fairly short, being honest and just kind of bearing it all to you guys right now of what's been happening. We've we're alive. We're well as we can be. And we're coming back. We're full circle. We we had our we had our break from things and now we're going back into full swing and we will be very deeply involved in season two and greatly looking forward to it because it is something that we've both missed. I've missed specifically because this was, this was our brainchild, man. This was like, 
when when Jenner and I divorced, he got custody of our child. <laughs> but uh, I'm 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 moving back in, and we're patching we're patching things up, so to speak. Um, but I love you guys, and I'm glad y'all stuck around for everything. You know, this first season was a learning experience for both of us, and we've we've come a long way from even just episode one, and we're. Uh, we're coming back strong for season two and we've we've learned a lot from it and we've applied that knowledge to definitely improve things and i'm really glad to still be able to say i'm a part of this so thank you guys for listening in it like truly truly means the world to both me and to michael because without you guys i don't know man like this is you know like you guys you guys listen to us talk and it's like i don't know it's weird because nobody ever wants to listen to me talk, but like we appreciate it and you guys are awesome. So thank you, Mindwave. Thank you, guys. Well, hmm. <laughs> real time reaction. Uh, hmm. This is probably going to seem pretty melodramatic and in retrospect, but this is kind of core and fundamental um, to the birth and uh, evolution of Mindwave, and it touches on something really important that is going to be incorporated into Season 2, which is obviously mental health. Um, the series that we are planning for that is called War of One. I figured that was kind of thematically appropriate because um, we it is a constant thing and we have battles and we win some and we lose some. Um, but you know, Oh, there's so much to respond to there. Uh, but I mean, fundamentally it's, it's the value question. It really is the value question when we feel like we don't have any value and we're not providing any value. It's demoralizing. It's dehumanizing. It's, it puts you in the most fucked up headspace where you want to burn the world to the ground, metaphorically. Um, and I I lived that. I lived that. Mindwave was the thing that saved me, you guys. Like, I want to be very clear about that, is that, like, I was in that. Um, and I got the just little glimmers, just little glimpses of hope uh, when I saw that, you know, I had... I had the tools, and I had somewhat of the skills, and apparently I have the the voice thing going on, and apparently I have some interesting ideas that people like listening to, that, like, this can actually be a thing. And it's been a highly experimental, which uh, I want to also make very clear, that, like, we're going to reboot the show, I think, pretty much from scratch, like, every year. Like, just totally rebrand it. <laughs> uh, uh, and just have it just be this, like, clean... You know, we're evolving all the time. We're changing all the time. Um, but just like backpedaling a little bit to the to the value question, I was I was stuck in a job, not stuck. I mean, I was there voluntarily, uh, <laughs> it, not literal slavery, but <clears throat> you know, it was a custodial job. It was taking out trash and cleaning up after people and cleaning bathrooms and that kind of thing. And it, it happened to be in a very cool place with very cool people, but that didn't really change the nature of the value of how I was spending my entire 
waking life, basically, and all of my energy. It was it was incredibly draining and and discouraging to not be able to do mind wave because I mean I'm just like when the hell am I gonna fucking time find time or energy or whatever and it's not like it's not like like st- I I call studio stargazer a thing it's it's a metaphor it's an idea I don't have a team I don't have like a social media department. <laughs> You know what I mean? And like editors and writers and researchers and all this shit, which is like what what the vision for the future, it's eventually going to need all that because it's I, my ambitions for this are are huge. Because, again, it was like I, w- I was living in the squalor, caught in the fucking cog in the machine, just like getting by to get by just so that I could get by making enough money to, you know, get to work so that I could work so that I could make enough money to get to work. I very much, we all feel that. Uh, I mean, uh, with the exception of, uh, people like Rio, probably. (laughs) Sorry, Rio. I got to pick on you, man. You're like my one rich friend. I can do that now. Uh, yeah, his, his tax bracket, he, those people, they, they really don't understand. Um, Rio, I think has a better grasp on it than most of them do though. He's, he's not totally detached. Uh, tangent, I put away the bill. It's, it's, you know, but it took, it took the one person, and this is fundamental, this is so important. It took the one person, that first person, to listen to the podcast and give it a thumbs up to like, that's, it, it transforms everything to somebody who feels like they're worthless. We all feel like we're worthless sometimes. You're not. See, I'm getting choked up. This I think this like <laughs> See, this is this is going to be a part of Mindwave 2.0. I'm Jenner's going to be a big fucking crybaby all the time. You're not worthless. Okay? Wh- whoever you are, whatever you do, you have value. What you do matters. And and all it takes is that one person to remind you to radically transform your fucking life forever. And Mindwave has given me the the space to allow people in to do that. And um, so many of you, oh my god. This is why. That, like, I had... Like full security, full time job, full retirement benefits, life insurance, you know, the whole vision, dental, you know, the Aflac. I had fucking Aflac for fuck's sake. You know what I mean? Uh, but that work made me feel like I was shit, like I didn't matter. And you guys make me feel like I do. So I said, fuck that. I'm going to go hang out with these guys and I'm going to do it full time. And you know what? If I have to sleep in my fucking car to do it, I will. Because here, this shit matters. Like, oh my God. Oh, I was not trying to cry, but it's fucking radical honesty time. Josh and I, we had a radical honesty session before. Um... Some of you, if you've been a fan of the show for a while, probably heard that that it initially came out on the main show, and I think it shifted to the after show, and then I think it just got taken down because it was too deep, it was too personal. Um, vulnerability is n- not a strong suit for people uh, who 
Josh is is using the neurotypical atypical uh, label. I am apprehensive about embracing that one personally. I don't really know how to define myself on along those lines, but uh, you know, it's it is that that being a kid again thing that that the glitter in the eye the the fucking Christmas morning magic. That's what Mind Wave is for me. Like I and I just saw tiny glimpses of it, you guys. I saw tiny glimpses of what this thing could be, and I said, "Fuck everything else. Fuck everything else. I this needs to happen, and I need everybody on my team. And you know what? Josh is a fucking asset. And the reason that he stepped back and that I had to let him go, I I told him like, "You're off the team. Like you can't bail on me. Like very real. Like the." This shit needs to happen. Um, so, uh, we need to reclaim some shit, grown ups, fellow grown ups, because we all hate the adulting. Okay. I think a lot of people, especially in the quote millennial bracket, uh, feel like we weren't prepared to adult proper, <laughs> proper like in this weird, fucked up system that we were forced into. So we all feel that. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I believe in what we're trying to build here. Um, I don't want to do it alone, <laughs> uh, but I will if I have to. <laughs> Um, so that was a big part of it. It's like, I, I will carry the weight. Anyone who wants to tag along for the ride, please join me. Please, if you want to see this thing happen, um, don't support the show just to be a subscriber and chuck a couple bucks. Like, be a part of this with me. Help me, help me build this magical thing we're trying to make happen because if you're out there, and you have reached out in any way or you've engaged at all, like, that is huge. Like, you deserve a seat at the table. That's MindWave 2.0, baby. Uh, I had... I had a quote... I had some quotes that I was going to uh, end the episode out on, and um, honestly, I don't, I don't think I can get through them. There was ideas to put music and stuff to this but I, I'm keeping it completely raw it's the entire thing so um I'm I'm just gonna let him say it this has to do with that good feeling of control which I feel that the children need to know is there and it starts out what do you do with the mad that you feel and that first line came straight from a child I work with children doing puppets in, in very personal communication with small groups. What do you do with the mad that you feel? When you feel so mad you could bite. When the whole wide world seems oh so wrong and nothing you do seems very right. What do you do? Do you punch a bag? Do you pound some clay or some dough? Do you round up friends for a game of tag or see how fast you go? It's great to be able to stop when you've planned a thing that's wrong and be able to do something else instead and think this song. I can stop when I want to, can stop when I wish, can stop, 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 anytime. 
And what a good feeling to feel like this. And know that the feeling is really mine. Know that there's something deep inside that helps us become what we can. For a girl can be someday a lady, and a boy can be someday a man. I think it's wonderful. I think it's wonderful. This is what I give. I give an expression of care every day to each child to help him realize that he is unique. I end the program by saying, you've made this day a special day by just your being you. There's no person in the whole world like you, and I like you just the way you are. And I feel that if we in public television can only make it clear that feelings are mentionable and manageable, we will have done a great service for mental health. Uh, I think that it's much more dramatic that two men could be working out their feelings of anger, much more dramatic than showing something of gunfire. I'm constantly concerned about what our children are seeing. Welcome back, Josh.